It is amazing what clarity can do. When things are clear, what haunts us is exposed. What lies are told are revealed. Truth comes out and life gets rich. What if we could live in clarity all the time? What if we saw ourselves as God does? What if we saw one another in that same light? Wouldn't it be great if we only could see the real me and the real you? There is hope. The Apostle Paul wrote a book to a church 2,000 years ago that will help us today. So lean in and let's find clarity. Let's see the real you. Well, good morning, church. Happy New Year. I'm Scott Weatherford. I'm fresh back from the culturally enhanced regions of the world called Northwest Florida, where redneck is more than a word, it's a way of life. So we're glad to be back. We had a great time with our family. I hope you had a great time with your family at the new year as well during the holidays. But it's back. It's 2020, the year of vision. And I'm so excited about the adventure we're going to be on together. We have tons of content available for you on our website. We've got uh, 52, 52 Weeks with Jesus, a video and, and a study guide curriculum is going to unload to our website, which is the only place you can get that. Uh, that's that's going to drop this next week. Plus, we have the book of Ephesians, which we're going to start today, and a lot of other great things that are going to be available to you. And our new website is going to roll out soon, a content-rich, easily accessible, want to help you in every way we can. Now, Andrea mentioned this, 21 Days of Focus, and you're going, what? What is this about? Maybe it was announced last week I wasn't here, but I want to tell you about this. Several years ago, I was preaching at a church in Denver. In fact, I was a teaching pastor at a church in Denver, living in Texas, flying up there, preaching every now and then, doing that kind of thing. And uh, the pastor told me, I was kind of filling in on that dead Sunday after Christmas, you know, and actually it was uh, January the 1st. So it was the first Sunday uh, in January and I was preaching and he said, remind our people that next week we're going to start our 21 days of fasting. And so I got up and I said, I want to remind you guys that next week you'll begin your 21 days of prayer and fasting for the new year. 21 days, 21 days creates a habit and you're going to take this time to pray and to fa- and fast and, and focus on Jesus and, and you're going to have these. So I'm not going to do it but you guys need to do it. And I looked at Tara and she had that look, that's my wife, Tara, I looked at Tara and she had that look, you're gonna do it, fat boy, too. And so we, uh, and so the next service I said, Tara and I are gonna join you in the 21 days. But what I thought about this year, instead of doing 21 days of fasting, because fasting is not what you give up, it's what you focus upon. That we wanna do 21 days of focus that maybe you're going to give up something in order to focus on Jesus. Maybe you're going to give up a, a dietary item. Maybe you're going to give up a, um, a social media. Maybe you're, you're going to start doing something like you're going to get up early and spend more time with the Lord, or you're going to walk and spend time with the Lord. Uh, one of the great things about our video content, our content that we're providing, you could ride the bike at the gym and watch me. That ought to motivate you. You say, don't look like him. Don't look like him. Don't look like him. Okay? So... I'm trying to help any way I can. So to say, okay, for 21 days, I'm going to do this. We're going to do this intentionally. Plus we've done something extra for you. Andrea, who uh, is leading today, Andrea is one of our worship leaders, her and and, uh, and Johnny and Dan, and there's a whole host of them. But Andrea, part of our team, uh, she was leading with like a half a voice today. Weren't you impressed? I mean, she was playing hurt today and she did a, a great job. So I'm really proud of her. 
But I'm more impressed with her. She said, when I said we're going to do 21 days of prayer and focus, she said, Pastor, what if I chose 21 songs and I wrote some devotional thoughts to go with those songs so you would have something to listen to, a worship song to listen to, and then you could focus it on. And then, so she did that. And she wrote an incredible 21 days of songs and devotional thoughts that go with those songs. And we have provided for you, there's a QR code. If you'll just take your, your phone app, take your photo app, and hover it over there, it'll take you to the website, which will download all that content. And then every one of the songs, there's a link. You link on it to YouTube. You could watch and listen to the songs. And uh, you could take this adventure with us. So that's a little something else to help you. And Andrea put this together, and Andrea Justice uh, and has done a great job with that. So take advantage of that with the 21 days of prayer and focus. Guys, I want to remind you that um, the national championship is coming up, and we're going to have the Beast Feast on the 13th. Y'all remember that? You saw it on the, on the slide, right? Now listen to me very carefully. Last year, I gave up meat for my focus. This year, I'm not giving up meat for my focus. If God didn't want us to eat animals, he wouldn't have made them out of meat. So uh, we're, I'm, I'm going to be consuming a carnivore. Now, I have given up some other things, but that's none of your business. But anyway, that's, that's what we're going to focus on. So guys, remember that. And also, guys, it's a great time to sign up for the marriage retreat. Now, some of y'all think, I don't go on no marriage retreat. My marriage is fine. This is not a marriage therapy retreat, y'all. This is fun and going to be great and exciting. And uh, you say... If you take mama to the JW Marriott Hill Country Resort in San Antonio, she will be happy. So it's better to live someplace other than with an unhappy wife, y'all. Solomon said three times in the book of Proverbs, better live in the rooftop, corner of the house, or out in the desert than with an angry woman. Just saying. So take her to this retreat and enjoy. Here's the big news. Only 10 spaces are left. So sign up. We have people, I posted on my Facebook, we have people coming from Canada, from South Texas, from Alabama. We have people coming from other places to be a part of this marriage weekend. So it's worth it. We've got a great deal at the JW Marriott, and that's going to be a fantastic weekend. Tara and I are looking forward to leading that. So today starts the whole new year, and we're going to go through the book of Ephesians over the next nine weeks. Now, when I say the book of Ephesians, some of y'all go, oh. He's going to draw on and on, verse by verse, telling us what the Greek means and blah, blah, blah. Well, I may do a little of that, but basically I want to take you on an adventure of you seeing yourself as God sees you. You see, the book of Ephesians is intentionally divided into two parts. The first part, chapter one through three, tells us great theology about how God views us. And the next four through six tells us then how we ought to live. So it's a very practical book, and Paul wrote it intentionally. Now, if you go online and you look at the leader lifter for the book of Ephesians studies, which is on video, me teaching it, I kind of give you the background. But today, we're going to start this adventure. In this new year, I believe God is moving. He's moving in our church. He's moving in you. And he wants to move in you, for you, and through you for his glory. Now, why do we call 2020 the year of vision? How can we not call it the 20-year vision? I mean, it's 2020, duh, right? But it's also capturing a God-sized vision. I believe as God moves in us personally, he's going to move in us corporately. 
in this church. I think he's going to move in the Wimberley Valley. I think he's going to move in Texas. I think he's going to move in the United States. This is an election year, y'all. And things probably will get crazy. But God will always be in control. Always. So we can trust him in that. God's moving in Latin America. I told y'all this a couple of weeks ago. I want to remind you that through the efforts of this little old church in Wimberley, in the last two and a half years, we have trained over 1,700 pastors in Latin America. That's crazy. That's big. That's significant. For about a $30,000 investment, we've done that work together. And, and we've got more in front of us as more countries are inviting us. Panama, Colombia, Argentina, El Salvador, Guatemala, those countries. Nicaragua wants us back. Costa Rica wants us back. Cuba wants us back. So as God gives us opportunities to go, we're going to be a part. Now, we launched this year with some serious challenges, challenges that I'm going to challenge you to, to really dig into God's word this year, to take seriously your reading. Now, one of the things I'm doing during the 21 days of focus, not only am I reading Ephesians, of course, I'm preaching through it, I better be reading it, but I'm going to read the book of John. For 21 days, I'm going to read a chapter of John for 21 days. There's 21 chapters in John. That gives me a great thing to read every day. I, and I started on the first, so I'm on chapter five today. So I'm going to take my focus from the first to the 31st. Now, you can do what you want to. That's just me. That's what I'm going to do. I might extend it beyond that. Hopefully, I will. It'll become ingrained in my, my heart to say that I'm going to focus on Christ all the time, not just during a particular period. I think God's vision for us is a vision of restoration of rescue and revitalization. I think God is moving. So we're going to move with him. So we launched this with challenges. Challenges to expand our facility. Uh, we, we've got to do something for children, and we've got to do something for students, and we've got to figure out that crazy parking lot out there. Everybody needs that parking lot to get fixed. Can I get an amen? Yeah. So we've got to figure all this out. So God's got these challenges in front of us. I, we burned the note on this building, these buildings, just a few minutes ago. We are debt-free. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. So I smell like smoke, and I think I would bottle it as a perfume. It smells so good that, uh, that God has allowed us to burn that note. So we're starting the book of Ephesians intentionally, because I thought, okay, if we're going to have a year of vision, the first thing we have to deal with is how does God really see you? Now, some of you grew up thinking that God only sees your junk. Sees your junk. Tara and I drove from Wimberley to Navarre, Florida. And we passed through Texas, East Texas, through Louisiana, through Mississippi, through Alabama, into the Panhandle of Florida. And you know what I noticed? I noticed a lot of junkyards. Just junk. And some places that were called antique shops and they just junk. Now, don't email me about that, okay? That's another man's trash is another man's treasure. I get that, blah, 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 but just junk. And you know, we overlook junk in about four weeks. Did you know that? Look around your house today and say, what am I overlooking? And it'll be surprising to you. Anyway, some of us think that's only God sees. Oh, that's the only thing God sees in us. He just sees the junk. Say, geesh, loser, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? Haven't you learned by now? Good night. But that's really not true. You see, God sees in you more than you could ever imagine or think. And in seeing you, he wants to help you become more like him. 
Everything he wants you to be is to becoming more like Jesus. Now, Satan doesn't want you to hear this message. He doesn't because he wants to keep you in bondage. He wants you to keep thinking that God is disappointed with you, far away from you. And if you are a Christian, you're just barely a Christian. I heard a guy say the other day, I just want to be a good Christian. I thought, what does that mean? A good Christian. What does that mean? Y'all, being a good Christian, you can only be a Christian. Because when you get saved, you're saved. It's like a dog saying, I just want to be a good dog. A good dog's based on behavior. A dog is based on biology, y'all. And being a Christian is based on relationship. And I want to have a relationship with God that transforms my life. And Satan doesn't want you to do that. He wants to keep you in bondage. Now, we have developed an intentional group time to go with this teaching. Let me explain that. I've never done this before, so this is a new experiment. If it doesn't work, we won't do it again. But this is what we're doing. Today, I'm going to be teaching the first part of chapter one. In your group time, you're going to look at the rest of chapter one. A little deeper dig. Usually, I teach on the weekend, and then I do a group time based on other scriptures or other material that goes along with that message, because I always got more fertilizer than I need, y'all. You know what I'm saying? So I always do that. So this time, we're going to teach this, and we're going a little deeper. The next week, we're going to look at chapter two, the first part, and we'll go a little deeper in chapter two in your group time. So this is all designed to build you. Now, don't miss a weekend. Don't miss an experience. You can join us online. We had 40 people. 40 people online in the first gathering, which we have no idea if that's 40 couples, uh, 40 families. All we know is we had 40 people watching online. It could have been as many as 80 people. It could be 120. I'm going to claim there were 13,000 people watching us online. So we have no idea. Um, but anyway, and we have people watching us from all over the world, literally, for, especially in Latin America. So take advantage of all the content and all the ways we have for you to get connected. We want you connected. So there's no excuses not to get the full benefit of this series. So take advantage of that. It's also a great time to start a group. If you're interested and say, hey, I want to start a group, you can, see, uh, you can email Tom Gillespie, tom at fbcwimberly.com, or you can see them out in the foyer. He would love to help sign you up and get a group. So today we're going to look at ourselves and seeing what Jesus sees in you. So what does that really even mean? I think we're so confused. Now get this. This is a statement I want you to hold on to. Your self-esteem is tied to the opinion of the most important person in your life. That's where you develop your sense of self-worth. Uh, some of you had a father who really believed in you, and therefore you have a really robust self-esteem. You believe in yourself. I had a father who really believed in me, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, my father parented me, coached me differently than he did my brother Stan. He could challenge me, and I would bow up and get things done. He would challenge Stan, and Stan was more of a gentle flower. You could remind him of that when he comes and preaches. He kind of folded under pressure. Me, I thrived under pressure. So dad knew how to, the difference uh, with us. And of course, my sister was the queen, and she got what she wanted and spoiled and She's awesome, but anyway, my brother David, he's the brainiac. He's got more degrees than a thermometer anyway. But that's the whole way God... But some of you didn't have a dad that loved you and cared for you. And your self-esteem struggled. In fact, you have a low self-esteem. What if you got your self-esteem from Jesus? What if you shifted your focus to your parental view or your spouse's view 
and you focused it on Jesus. Don't you think that would change you? But you have to see how, you, how Jesus sees you, and you need to have the loop closed in your heart and your mind with the truth of how Jesus sees you. So that should sober you up and, do, and desire you to shift your focus. So this morning, let's do that. Let's see what Jesus says about you, about us. Are, are y'all ready? All right, that's enough. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you're going to say to us this morning. And I pray, Father, that you will help deal with the stuff in our life, deal with the attitudes in our life, deal with the misconceptions in our life, and to see you, see ourselves as you really see us, and then to see you as you really are. So thank you for the adventure we're going to be on together. Thank you for the way you're shifting our focus onto you, that we may see the real me, the real us, by seeing the real you. And I thank you for what you're going to do. And I pray this in your son's strong name. Amen. Now, if you have a Bible, you can turn with me to Ephesians chapter one. If you get the journal Bible, now we have journal Bibles available of the book of Ephesians. They're available at the resource center. You can use that Bible to take notes of the sermon and your group time. A great way to have a companion as you learn and you teach. You can use that journal Bible to journal your prayers or write notes as you read through the book of Ephesians. Oh, I saw this. This jumped out at me. This is a truth I need to understand. This is a principle I need to apply. So you can write those things down. Use that Ephesians journal Bible. We, uh, we had about 200 of them sold already this morning. So there's, there's plenty left. So you can go back and pick one up. We're selling at our cost. It's only $5. It's a great tool for you to use and your personal time. We're also gonna project these passages on our screen, so you can follow with me there. Let me read this whole passage, three through 14. I'm gonna make some comments as I go, and then we're gonna kind of dive in on some thoughts. Here it is. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because, 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 because of the wonderful things he does. Thank you for finishing that. Okay. Every spiritual blessing because we are united with Christ. Now get this, y'all. You don't get any spiritual blessings until you're united with Christ. You don't. But when you are united with Christ, you get all the blessings. Now when I say that, some of you start thinking, okay, spiritual blessings, that means, you know, hope. Yeah, that's a pretty good blessing. Grace, yeah, it's a pretty good blessing. Encouragement, it's a pretty good blessing. What about some practical blessings like provision? I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor God's seed beg for bread. That says that in the Psalm. That's a spiritual blessing. By his stripes, we are healed, healing. That's a spiritual blessing. Encouragement, that's a spiritual blessing. Unity in your spouse with your family, that's a spiritual blessing. Building up with words of encouragement, not tearing down. That's a spiritual blessing. Forgiveness, that you get it and you give it. That's a spiritual blessing. You get all of them. Because, 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 because the wonderful thing he has done. That's incredible. But it gets better. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ. And this is what he wanted to do. And this gave him great 
pleasure. Let me talk about that for a second. Now get this. We start talking about people being right with God. And there's some churches that teach this, some theologies that teach this, that God only has a few people that he has saved. Everybody else is going to hell. If you're not in the predestined of God, then good luck. You're just firewood for hell. But let me say this to you. I want you to notice this phrase. Look at the second line. Himself through Christ. Through Christ. To adopt us and bring us to self through Christ. So is the predestined of God, I want to ask you this question. Is the predestined of God a group of people that God has chosen? Or is it Jesus? He's chosen Jesus. And he says the ones who are in Jesus are in the predestined. Now, let me go a little further with that. Does God know everything? Does he? Yeah. Uh, Does anything catch God off guard? Do you think God knows everyone who is going to respond in faith to Jesus Christ? Yeah, he does. I get this. But in love, he extends that offer to everyone. Even though he knows not all will, he is willing for all to come. Peter said it this way, that he's not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. And he has provided a way, a way for you to be right with himself through Christ. Let me say this to you. If you're listening online today or you're here in this room today and you hear it, I want to say this. God has predestined you to come to Christ. And he knows and he invites, and he woos, and he asks. I heard it said this way one time, that when we die, we get to heaven, we walk through the gates of heaven, and across the, the gates of heaven, written in big letters, said, whosoever will may come. And you walk through the gate, and you turn back, and you look over the gate, and on the backside it said, chosen before the foundations of the world. Wow. God knows who will, God knows who want, and he invites everyone, not know, knowing not everyone will come. Now, there's a term for that. It's called Emeraldianism. Does that help y'all? No. And it's a, it's a theological view of election, of how God has chosen his people. So I'll say every one of you could come to Christ today. You're in the predestined because Jesus is the predestined and he invites you to come to himself. And that's literally what this passage is saying. And this is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for his glorious grace. He has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He's so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He showed us kindness on us. Along with wisdom and understanding, God not only is kind to you, he says, hey, you're going to need to understand some stuff and you're going to be wise about some stuff. So I'll give it to you. James said this, if you lack wisdom, ask God. He'll give it to you without judging your motives. But when he gives it to you, don't doubt him. Trust him. Trust him. Because the wisdom he gives you is wisdom is good. Wow. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ. Mysterious plan regarding cause. What the heck? A plan to fulfill fulfills now good and, ple- and pleasure. And this is his plan. Listen to this. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. At the right time when Jesus says, okay, we're done. He brings everything under authority. 
Furthermore, because we're united with Christ, we received an inheritance from God. He gives us stuff. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews were the first to trust in Christ and would bring praise and glory to uh, who believe in Christ. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. I want to give you a little tip here. When you're studying the New Testament, anytime you see the mystery of God, the mystery of God, this is what Paul is saying. Only Paul uses that phrase. That's what he's saying. I can't believe God would let you Gentiles in on the goodness of God. Because Paul was a Jew. He was a Jew of Jews. Uh, He was a Pharisee. He was an authority, the most brilliant theologian to ever live. And he believed that Jews... This is how he used to believe. He believed that they were the elite. They were the chosen. They were, nobody else was like them. They were racist. They were segregated. They said, you Gentiles, stay away from me. I can't even talk to you. I can't even look at you. I don't even think you're human. We're Jews. We're the thing. And then God sends this arrogant Jew to minister to the Gentiles, and he watches them get saved, and he's going, this is a mystery. And that hurt my head. This is a mystery. What is this about? Why would God... Choose a people and call him his own chosen people and then let him with the Gentiles in. Because God didn't choose a people. He chose a person named Jesus. And he opened it up to all of us. Paul says, I don't understand this. It's a mystery. But what a marvelous mystery it is. Y'all, I can't figure out why Tara loves me. It's a mystery. It's a marvelous mystery. And I'm just glad for it. And this is the same kind of language that's used here that God has brought us together and it brought him pleasure. It was his plan. The good news that God saves you. When you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. Now listen to this. This is crazy. And the Spirit is God's guarantee. He will give you an inheritance he promised as he's purchased his own people. He did this so we would please and glorify him. He did this so you would live all for Jesus. Let me tell you what this language means. The Spirit is God's guarantee. Let me tell you what that means. Get this, y'all. We, the church, is the bride of Christ. And before you get married, what do you give your intended bride? flowers. That's inexperienced voice there. You give her a ring, an engagement ring, right? Now I've got a buddy of mine who got engaged over the holidays on the new year. He sent me a video of it, of him on the snow in Colorado proposing to his, his intended. And he did the same time he hired me to marry, do their marriage. And he put a ring on our finger and y'all that rock would choke a horse. I mean, choke a horse. But it's not the size of the rock. It's the character of the man behind the rock. Y'all with me? And so Jesus said, this is the language Jesus, that Jesus through the Holy Spirit, this is what he's done. He's put a ring of engagement upon us, his bride. And he sealed it with a promise. You know, he says to you, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm always going to love you. And I've sealed you with my promise. And when God makes a promise, guess what? He keeps a promise. That is so amazing. 
Now, let's go a little deeper. Y'all want to go a little deeper with this? All right, that's enough of you to go on. This is how Jesus sees you. Now, listen. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. We talked about that already. He sees giving you every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. Most of us don't think that way. We think we just kind of want to skip by, get by, get along, and it's going to be all right, and we can live. No, he says, oh, I'm giving everything to you. He chose you through, through Jesus. We are a family because of Jesus. You've heard me say this time and again, that a Christian without a church family is a spiritual orphan, right? He puts us into family, and I'll talk more about that in a bit. A bit. He gives us grace. Do you all know what grace is? Something we don't deserve. Last night, Tara and I uh, had dinner with some friends, and we provided for them a good old-fashioned Cajun shrimp boil. We had jalapeno sausage and potatoes and corn and big old fat shrimp. And we threw in a bag of hootenanny in there, the Cajun hootenanny. Don't know what's in the bag, but what comes out of the bag makes some shrimps good. And we ate shrimp and we thanked God that he created shrimp and that he did away with the dietary laws so we could eat the shrimp. And before we ate, I was asked to give grace. Just, Pastor, would you say grace? And I was thanking God for what we did not deserve. That's what grace is. Don't, he gives you what you don't deserve. <laughs> you deserve misery and hopelessness. So he gives you mercy and love and peace and hope, power in the Holy Spirit. You deserve to go to hell. So he gives you heaven. I have a text I sent out to pastors in the morning. I'll send them out this text. Give them heaven today. Instead of give them the other stuff you Aggies sell to give folks. Give them heaven. Because that's what the Lord gives us. He gives us heaven. And he's provided for us. He gives us grace. We're redeemed through his blood. You see, the Hebrew people thought we got redemption through the blood of goats, rams, and bulls, but we get redemption through the blood of God. Redemption. We're forgiven. In fact, God not only forgives us, he forgets what he's forgiven us from. Ain't that cool? Some of y'all been rolling around in that sin that's been forgiven forever, and God's going to say, when do you get over that? And Satan, he keeps reminding you, yeah, remember in high school when you did this? Shut up, Satan. We know the mysteries of his will. Now, it's not just the, the salvation to us Gentiles, but the mystery of his will. Listen, that mystery is vertical, why God would save us, and horizontal, why I should live with you and love you. That's what Ephesians is. The mystery of vertical, how God loves me, and how I'm supposed to live with you and love you. He gives me instructions on how to do that. We have a heritage my mama, bless her heart, she, um, she was so proud of her Southern heritage. We are daughters of the Confederacy. We are daughters of the Revolution. We're part of the Garden Club. They weren't nothing but a bunch of rednecks from Southwest Mississippi. That's all they were. Just a bunch of rednecks. They were proud of their heritage. Well, y'all, I tell you, some of my heritage I ain't so proud of, like that Creek Indian chief that killed a bunch of people at Fort Mims. I ain't really proud of that guy. 
or about nine or 10 of my relatives that were hung in Texas for stealing horses. I ain't proud of them either. But I have a heritage in King Jesus. Now get this, this, this Christmas, I was reading through the genealogy of Jesus. I was looking at the comparison, what Dr. Luke wrote about Jesus's genealogy and what Matthew, the tax collector, the, the accountant wrote about Jesus's. And I noticed that they were different. One was tracing um, Joseph, Matthew. One was tracing Mary, Luke. And I was reading through them. And I noticed it's all these men and four women. Only four women were mentioned. Four. Bathsheba, Ruth, Rahab, Tamar. It's only four. Let me tell you about them. Tamar had sons, twins, from an incestuous relationship with her father-in-law. Whoops. Oh, Rahab, prostitute. Whoops. Ruth, a Moabite, not even a Jew, an idol worshiper. <gasps> ah. Bathsheba, the adulterous wife of King David. Mm. 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 Heritage. No. Grace, redemption, mercy. So when I look back over my family tree, I can say grace, redemption, mercy. He's given me a heritage. We sang a song earlier today that I've heard people complain about. We sing that song, I'm a friend of God. Oh, make God like you, you're drinking, buddy, you're your fishing, buddy. Let me tell you what that means. That means it's a covenant relationship with God that Abraham was called the friend of God, and that's where that song came from. God says, You're my friend. We sing another song, I've known you as a father, and I've known you as a friend, but I will sing of the goodness of God. Every time we sing that song, I get choked up because his mercy is running after, is running after me. He's all my life. He has been faithful all my life. He's been so, so good with every breath that I'm able. I will sing of the goodness of God because he's given me a heritage. We are the praise and the glory of God. We didn't do this. Jesus did it. And Jesus is so proud of you. My dad would tell me that every day, every time I talked to him, son, proud of you, proud of you. And literally, this is what God does. I'll just tell you a story. You go into Jerry World up in Arlington. One day I'm gonna pull that tail and fall off on the floor there. I'll be done then. You go into Jerry Jones' stadium up in Dallas and you'll see the jerseys hanging in the rafters. Emmett Smith, uh, Aikman, others hanging there. And they're hanging there because they're in the Hall of Fame or the Ring of Honor. You're hanging in the halls of heaven. Every now and then, God picks you up, shakes you off, says to the angels, look what I did. Trophy of grace. Trophy of mercy. Yeah, we still got some work to do on them. Shaping up quite nicely, though. With me, he has to go. 
It'll be all right. I'm going to get finished with you one day. Trophy of grace. I didn't do this. God did this. And he's busy working in my life. We are sealed through the Holy Spirit. I talked about the promise and we are sanctified. Now get this. We are sealed. We're given the ring of engagement to do this. To sanctify us. To glorify us. Now what in the world does that mean, Scott? To be sanctified means to become like Jesus. To be glorified means to live with Jesus. So right now, he's getting you ready to making you become like Jesus to live with Jesus forever. This life is preparation for the next. That he would shape your life or build your life to honor God. So then we live in the blessings of God. It's security. Because of all these things, we have security. Any belief system that creates insecurity or elitism is not from God. It's not. You know, I love Tara, and I told you it's a mystery why she loves me. But one of the greatest gifts I could give to her, and guys, one of the greatest gifts you can give to your wife is security. And we've been married 38 years. We're in our 39th year. I realize today that I'm in my 40th year of ministry. It's crazy. And Tara and I have never, ever contemplated or discussed or even said the word divorce. We haven't. We made a commitment when I asked her to marry me. I said, there's not going to be any divorce. Now, we contemplated murder a few times, but I've woken up a few times with a pillow duct tape to my head. But anyway, but never because I want her to know that I love her. I've told her, I've told y'all, if she leaves me, I'm going with her. It's security. It's the greatest gift I can give to her. It's to create, because a secure woman becomes a confident woman and a confident woman can conquer the world. So I want to build security in her. And that's what God wants to do for us. But he doesn't want me to be arrogant and elite, elitist. He wants to be loving and including. Huh? He puts me in a family. Do you know why we have the church? Not so we can gather someplace on Sunday and listen to some preacher drawn on and on then leave and go get fried chicken. That's not why he did that. He put us in a family because we need the encouragement. We need the gathering together. We need a family. And the people who belong to Christ are closer to you than your biological family. What makes it really cool about my brothers and sisters, we all belong to Jesus. And so we have a deeper bond because we all belong to Jesus and we belong to my mom and daddy. That's cool. We can live in boldness to make Jesus famous. And we call this the year of vision. And this church has an amazing big vision because we have an amazing big God. In fact, you could say that we've lost our minds. And I want to remind you of some of the visions we've said we've had. Not all of them, but just a few of them. Let me give you some of them. This is what we believe God will do. We see a day when we join God in ending human trafficking. When the selling of, of women and little children is no longer normative. Do y'all know that there's more slaves in the world right now than there's ever been in the history of mankind? And if the church doesn't do something, nothing will get done. If you depend upon the government to end it, the government can't get out of their own way. So I'm not going to get political, so don't worry. But good gracious... We see a day when we develop this campus as a destination for building lives. 
And a part of that was accomplished today when we paid off the debt. Now, it won't last long, y'all, because we got some more to add. And every one of you know that. Uh, given to This Is Us uh, spiritual alignment campaign now is over $2 million. Isn't that exciting? Yeah, as God's working, yeah. We see a day when FBCW has a network of churches that build lives. That we're encouraging pastors and churches all over Texas, all over Latin America. We see a day when we're a go-to church for training and support. We see a day when Wimberley can't imagine life without us. We see a day because we are so impacting Wimberley with compassion and, and local impact and, and relief and hope and peace that they can't imagine not seeing us. Do you know why we have a food trailer, y'all? So we can feed people. We see a day when people are drawn from impossible situations into loving circles of hope. People that are struggling with addictions, people that are struggling with depression, people that are struggling with marital strife, they don't need a lecture. They need love. Sometimes they need medicine and love. Y'all, and it's not a sin to be sick. And not to take advantage of medical care is silly. But it is a sin not to care for the sick. Would y'all agree with that? We see a day when every member is a minister. What? Not every member is a pastor. Heaven help us. Got enough of those already. But when every one of you find your place of ministry and you're serving God by serving others. And that's just a few of those. That we live in the blessing of God with the vision of God, but we live in lavish love, fully loved, extra love. During uh, Christmas, my brother David, he's the oldest, he's the history professor. He walks into my sister's house and he has a tray. And on the tray, he has two pies, P-I-E-S, pies. One of them is a chocolate meringue pie, and the other one is a coconut meringue pie. And he brings them in, and he sets them down, and he said, this is a gift from Mama. Now, my mother's been with the Lord since 2010, so I got a little creepy, like, you had those in a freezer? What's up with that? He said, I took Mama's recipe for chocolate pie and coconut pie, and I made them. And so I had to eat a slice of both, right? And I couldn't eat no sliver. You got to get a slice of pie. You eat pie, eat pie, right? And I got a big old pie hole, so I put a bunch of pie in my pie hole. So, and you know what? The lavish love of my mother filled me. The lavish love of my mother. David sat there, and I had a tear run down my head. He said, it's good, isn't it? I got it right. I said, oh, David, it's better than good. It's a gift. God wants you to live with the sweet taste of his lavish love in your mouth so that whatever comes out of your mouth will be an anointing of love and encouragement to everyone. I don't know about y'all, but I just got hungry. So let's wrap this thing up. <laughs> Knowing the will of God will be completed in my life, that he will start what he has finished. Boy, that gives me confidence. I can live in confident hope 
Because it's not how I start that matters, it's how I finish. And God brings my life to order because I'm the beloved of God and I can live in his confident hope. That's how he sees me. That's how he sees you. So where's your focus? You know, you get your self-esteem based on the opinion of the most important person's life and the most important person in your life. So who's most important to you? Time to shift your focus and live all for Jesus. Jesus. 